Hey, Catherine. Yes? Why did Mother Nature trip the last day of summer? I don't know why. To make it fall. (laughs) Hi, I'm Christy, a backyard gardener from Colorado. These days, gardening has gotten very popular, and my friends and I have noticed more and more people picking our brains for tips and troubleshooting about gardening. We're not experts. We just learned a lot about gardening from the mistakes we made along the way. So welcome to Upside Down Tulips, a fun podcast that celebrates gardening gone wrong. Upside Down Tulips. Hello, gardeners. Hello, gardeners and wannabe gardeners. And people who love Mother Nature. Oh, adore Mother Nature. And hello, Catherine. Hello, Christine. I'm so glad to have you back. I'm so pleased to be back. And how's your show going that was directed by this incredible director? The Minutes by Tracy Letts at Curious <laughs> Theater is going magnificently. People will have just a couple more shows left to see. Yes, yes. Just a couple more, but it's been a glorious run, and it's been so fun to work with all company members. It's just been outstanding. Well, you are hilarious in it, and well, it's been so you. fun to work with you and the play, and of course, such a great joy just to sit around with my friend Catherine and talk about our gardens. And the feeling is absolutely mutual, my friend. Well, this week we're talking about all ways one can fool Mother Nature. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature. Do you remember that commercial? Yes, yes. It was about a margarine that was supposed to taste chiffon. like butter. Yes. It was chiffon. It was awful stuff. Yes. And it's, if you think it's butter, but it's not. Exactly. It's chiffon. Okay, that probably brought back memories for 20 people out there. Oh, so I we hope that you enjoyed 23. That. 23. 23. <laughs> hey, Catherine, how's yes. your garden going? The garden is doing well. I, of course, kept watering through September because it was so dry, but my asters are in full glory. Oh, nice. So it's the last smorgasbord for the bees. Mm. All of the sunflowers are now, I have, there's a few flowers on them still which the squirrels are eating but it's all pretty much gone to seed as well as the echinacea so i get a plethora of little finches swinging on these big sunflower plants just munching away especially in the morning or right around twilight are these the finches with the little their little red heads on them they have little red breasts oh yes yes, i love those birds yes and then i'm still getting some tomatoes and last night um, when it got so cold, I did go out and cover them. Mm. I put little okay. little blankies over them, but we'll talk about that more. Speaking later. of fooling Mother Nature, yes, huh? exactly. Um, so yeah, everything's come along really well and starting starting to settle into fall. The leaves are changing on the trees and. Yeah. How's yours? Oh, the garden is going really well. Uh, like you, I'm starting to see some fall flowers really come in. Mm-hmm. My zinnias are just so beautiful. I'm so glad I planted them um, after the hailstorm. And right. it's finally blooming here in the second week of October. It are my African marigolds. I planted these in early July. Oh, right. And they're just starting to come in. So I'm hoping they can stave off a little bit before we get a hard freeze. So I can, but they're huge marigolds, like pom-pom marigolds. Right. I remember you talking about them before. A couple yeah. feet high. And they're right. just starting to bloom right now. Okay. So I'm going to hope. I hope for a later hard frost on exactly. those suckers. And my sunflowers are also uh, starting to wane. 
of the of my giant Russian mammoths. The heads are falling yes. over. And I'm trying to decide, and maybe you can help me, Catherine. I want to harvest them for seeds for me. No offense to the finches. No, no, I totally understand. And I want to either to plant them, to give them away to members of our garden right, party. Right, right, right. Or even just like to eat them. And one of the things I heard is that if you there are two ways to harvest the heads of a sunflower. One is you can leave it on the leave it on the stalk, stalk as right. long as you can, and you may have to put a bag over it to prevent you, birds from not it. may you will need oh, okay. to put a bag over it. Okay, yeah. and then you wait until the leaves have all fallen off off the stalk, so this uh-huh. you just have the stalk and, and it the, looks and naked. The petals, yeah, yes. and the petals are gone. Yes, and then the back of the head has turned brown. That makes sense. Well, yes, I already see. The heads have fallen over. Right. The petals are starting to fall off. Right. The leaves are falling off. Uh-huh. But now I do see something has been eating some of the sunflowers. Exactly. So, because you got to be quick on the draw here. So I'm thinking I'm going to cut <clears throat> off. The... I would cut them off okay, and hang that's them what I was upside thinking. down by string in the garage or in your basement. Okay. Because what you want to do is let it dry out is my guess. Okay. But it's not too early as long as there's still seeds if, in there. Right? If there's... Petals around the head starting to disappear. Exactly. And the stalk, I think the main growing activity is over. Okay. Now, you could experiment with this by going oh, sure. out and picking off some seeds and cracking uh-huh. them open and seeing what the meat is like. Okay. But my guess is if something's already eating it. Right. They know. It's mature. Okay. So it's I'm ready. do that this week. Oh, that's great. I also want to give an update on my pumpkins. Yes, pumpkin world. So last week we had a big episode about pumpkins. Yes. Um, I have five that I know of, and one has turned orange, but the other four have not. And so I am worried that, because I want to carve them for Halloween. Right. So, so what I think I'm going to do is I think I'm going to harvest them Uh. Because what I've read is that if you harvest a pumpkin when it's green, uh-huh. make sure you give it a big healthy stem, though, like right, right, four right, right, so that right. it doesn't encourage the top of the pumpkin. Good to rot. umbilical cord. Good, yes, exactly. I love that. <laughs> that you can keep it in the pumpkins need sun to turn orange. Right. So, so you could keep it on the front step, for example. That's what I was thinking. Yes. Or they even so you could bring it inside in a sunny window. So I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna also harvest my pumpkins this week because. I want them to turn orange so I can carve. Right, them. right. No, no. Yes, and then I you can. A weeks, you so. can after you've cut them, you can just let them migrate around the yard as needed, <laughs> and you can bring them in the house at night and put them in little pumpkin jammies <laughs> so they don't get too cold, and then take them back pumpkin out jammy. in the morning. <clears throat> They're special built. They have little feet in them. <laughs> I love it. So that's kind of the update. Oh, and I also want to say that finally some tomatoes are coming. In. Yay, tomatoes. So I've had a couple, you know, I've had some come in slowly since maybe the end of August. But now I'm starting to get some that like, oh, I don't know what to do with these. I think I'm going to, you know, chop them up and freeze them. Exactly, so. exactly. And it has been such a weird, weird, weird summer for tomatoes, yeah, hail or year. not, in terms of how cold and cool it was in well the into the end of yes, June. That's so true. And then suddenly it turned hot. And those poor tomatoes were like going, what is going on? This is not what we like. Because they like those temperatures from mid-70s to mid-80s regularly, continuously. Yeah. Well, you know, we just got to be blessed for the tomatoes we get and be happy when we have a bumper crop, right? Exactly. And then I have a story to tell you. So a couple weeks ago, I was chatting with my friend uh, Mallory, who also just started listening to the podcast. Shout out to Mallory. Yay, Mallory. And she was making jokes about how... Um, if folks who've listened to the podcast for a while um, 
I have left tomatoes up in the attic to ripen right. green tomatoes and then forgotten about them. And they right. become like these little moldy buttons <laughs> that I've forgotten. And, and so she was talking about that and I was laughing, saying, well, you know, one of the nice things about having a garden podcast is that, you know, I stay more on top of that stuff and I'm more conscious of it. So I don't put attics, I don't have tomatoes in the attic anymore. And she goes, I'm don't understand your attic. Like, what does your attic look like? Because I could never put tomatoes in my attic. And so I said, well, let me send you a picture. Right. So I went to my attic and I took a picture and I sent it to her. And then I looked at the picture, Catherine. And what did you discover? I discovered four boxes of produce that I put up last summer. Oh my gosh. And now I haven't opened them. So I want you to try them. Okay. So here's the here's box number one. Okay. Drum roll. Ladies and gentlemen, as the mystery is getting ready to reveal itself. Okay. And inside is just newspaper. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, good. Okay, good. So whatever was in there vaporized. Okay, here's box number two. Yes, box number two. Okay, this has more heft to it. Let's see. It is little tomato nuggets. That's what you call dried out tiny tomatoes that you put into your attic the two years ago. <laughs> okay, here's okay. box number three. Okay, box number three. This looks to me to be dried up potatoes, taters, turnips. It's a root vegetable, ladies and gentlemen, but it is petrified. <laughs> This is impressive. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what that is. Maybe it was beets. Could it be beets? Yeah, it could be. Or potatoes. Actually, what they look like now are walnuts. <laughs> walnuts that grow underground. This is really fascinating. You could have like a little archaeological thing going on here. Here's box oh, number no. Here's box number four. One more box. Okay. Mystery, mystery. Oh, this is the squash family come to visit. Oh, Again, is it, is it petrified. Oh, there is one that's kind of shaped like a little kitten. Yes, these are tiny little acorn squashes. Oh, my goodness. This is fascinating. I yeah, think you have archaeological discoveries here. Yes. What a waste. I'm so mad. I'm so angry at myself. These are wonderful additions <laughs> to your compost pile. So That's they're right. not wasted at all. You're right, Catherine. Ashes to ashes, dust to exactly. dust. Exactly. They will become part they will be recycled. of next year's garden. Exactly. Oi, woofta. <laughs> huh? Well, if you want to be an attic tomato, that is actually a category of our of our garden party. Oh, right. And so um, if you want to throw us a couple bucks a month, you can help support Upside Down Tulips by joining our garden party. You can, um, Attic Tomatoes a level, so is um, Lawn Chair Lettuce. Um, and, um, I love these categories. Mother Nature. Right. Which is apropos for today. Exactly. And if all you got is two bucks a month, then you're a curmudgeon. Because we can let two bucks a month Two bucks a month. I can't talk. We are frugal with our pennies. Yeah. We just, sure. we make it work for us very well. So anything you can possibly give, that monthly pledge means a lot. And it gives us the ability to continue being silly and doing this for and you. Yay, yay. So all you need to do is click on the link in the show notes. 
And if there are words or terms that you hear in today's podcast, folks, that you don't understand, you can always go to the Upside Down Dictionary, which is on our website at UpsideDownTulips.com. Excellent. Link in the show notes. Yes. And if you have questions, by all means, there's also a link to send us letters and ask us questions, and we'll do our best to try to find a reasonable answer to your inquiry. Right. Or maybe you can help us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> by all means. Because we, we don't know everything. Yeah. And now yes. we have to turn to something serious. Oh, and normally we like to shift over to something fun and silly, right. a nice little pot play just made for the gardeners. Right. This is rather serious, and it's something we can't procrastinate about, that's for sure. No, so I think we yeah. have a public obligation to release it. I agree. It. I agree. Because perhaps some of our listeners can help us out here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's gird our loins and get ready for this. Okay. I'm girded. Okay. October 7th, 2023. Dear Upside Down Tulips, on behalf of the West Side Amalgamated Nut Collective of Enterprising Rodents, aka Wanker, the Upside Down Tulips podcast is receiving this notice to cease and desist for specific activities regarding squirrels. The squirrel families of Wanker have had enough of being assailed with the podcast's contemptuous language, which has repeatedly and viciously maligned their beloved family values, work ethic, as well as the exemplary rodent skills brought to all yards, parks, and wooded expanses in the West metropolitan area. The squirrels have never, ever been offered nor approached for podcast equal time to refute the contentious, slanderous language. First, squirrels at Wanker do not speak with a funky working-class British accent with no particular origin. Squirrels are in fact super-cute rodents with exquisitely and accurately anatomical depictions, i.e. noses and ears, in a variety of Disney films. Second, the verbal viciousness has caused irreparable harm to numerous juvenile squirrels' sense of self-worth, creating emotional issues impeding them from effectively preparing for winter, which thus directly impacts the entire community. Third, a recent podcast featured an ad for weapons, which sole purpose is the annihilation of all squirrels that has caused the late summer baby's repeated screaming nightmares. The sleep deprivation directly attributed to the baby's screaming nightmares causes concrete safety hazards in adult squirrel autumn work that economically impacts all wankers. Squirrels do a lot of good. Members are taking bites out of tomatoes industriously checking for poisons. They diligently verify vegetables are ready for harvesting, fearing humans are too stupid to know what ripe looks like. They meticulously clean up under bird feeders. Composters worshipping at the altar of worm poo remain ignorant of just how much poo wankers deposit daily in gardens and yards. Squirrels help forests get planted with forgotten acorns and they spread lots and lots of seeds. You have 30 days to respond to this notice of cease and desist or wanker will demand reparations in the form of 40 tons of walnuts and acorns to be delivered to an address later designated. Please send a written reply to the law firm of Bushy, Nutter, Twitchy, and Whiskers, LLC at the address noted above. We await your response. Sincerely, Ms. Bushy, attorney at law and mother of 128. Thank you, Catherine, for that wonderful pod play. <laughs> it was really 
It's very serious business. Do not be laughing. You okay? know, I think at Karen, I used to who- work for attorneys. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I know how serious this is. Cease and desist is not something to muck around with. I think Karen, who plays the squirrel, is going to have a thing or two to say about that. Well, I hope so. I hope perhaps <laughs> this opens a dialogue. <laughs> well, we're talking today, friends, about how to fool Mother Nature. Yes. Because we only have so many days, depending upon where you live, to enjoy flowers and grow vegetables. But if we... You know, put our thinking caps on. Mm-hmm. We can trick Mother Nature a little bit and extend the season. Exactly. And you also can be frugal and recycle plants. Oh, that, very, very true. So we'll c- talk through all the four seasons on ways that we okay. can fool Mother Nature. But first of all, did you know, Catherine, that Mother Nature is a recurring character that transcends all cultures? No, but I'm not surprised. I think Joseph Campbell talked about that in his books. Oh, Sure. Um, Mother Nature personifies the nurturing and replenishing qualities of the natural world. Exactly. The first reference to Mother Nature in English occurred in 1266, and the first actual written reference was in Greek in the 12th or 13th century. But there have been myths about nature goddesses that date all the way back to the 3rd millennium B.C. Right. And it also has many names like... Gaia, Persephone, Inanna, where nature has consistently been imagined as a woman. As it should be. (laughs) That's right. Well, some people say the idea was solidified during the Enlightenment. In order to be studied, nature could not be analogous to God, which meant it had to be a woman. Well, isn't that interesting? Yeah, I thought you'd like those, that. <laughs> those boys in the Vatican decided that one, didn't they? <laughs> right. Apologies yeah, exactly. to all Catholics out there. Uh, so we're going to start with the fall. Okay. Um, because it's fall right now. Exactly. How, wh- what are some of the best ways that we can trick Mother Nature so we can get more garden time in? Well, one of the things that I discovered a couple of years ago is when we are being notified about a potential hard frost, for example, especially Mm -hmm. the first one, especially if it's going to warm up again a few days, the days afterwards, is I go out and make sure I've watered everybody who I want to stay in the ground because that water accumulates around their roots and that water won't get any colder than 32 degrees. So the air temperature might get down to say 16, but the little roots will stay right at 32. That so they- is so interesting. I never thought about that. I have watered before mm-hmm. because people told me what told me to, but I never knew why. Because you would think water could be counter productive no exactly well in fruit orchards for example when they know it's going to freeze they go Mm -hmm. out and what do they do they mist them because what happens is the water molecules collect on the leaves and they don't get any colder than that and so yeah so that's my big thing plus our falls here in colorado tend to be dry and sunny Mm. and you really need to keep watering everything to prepare them for winter Uh, my favorite thing to do to stretch out Mm -hmm. fool mother nature in the fall is to cover. Yes. Um, and you said you covered last night, I right? covered last night the tomatoes, yes, with my special cover blankies. They're old bedding that I have. They're old um, acrylic-filled comforters kind of things. But, yeah, that's what I use to cover mm-hmm. them with. So, yeah. And you live, what, maybe about 10 miles from me, you think? I think it's probably closer to six. Okay. Yeah, I right. live pretty much directly south Directly of you. south, right. Yeah. And there was a frost advisory last night, and that Correct. usually is when the temperatures get into the mid-30s. Correct. 
Um, I had, oh, Catherine, I had every plan to cover last night. And the next thing I knew, it was nine o'clock. And I went, well, I'm not going out there now. <laughs> so I decided to risk it. And yeah. I don't think, I don't think I got any, fr- I walked around today and no, I don't think I saw anything. No, I don't anything. think there was any actual frost here. Well, neither one of us have any low areas too mm. in our garden area. Mm-hmm. So, but if there had been low areas, I'm sure there would have been a, it's a nudge of frost. Yeah. Well, uh, covering is great in, yes. in October it's, and even in November it's yes. because so what can happen is that you can get a frost, a light frost, even a hard frost, but then the next couple of days, it could be beautiful and nice. It out warms get, back up into the up. 50s or 60s. Yes. It's good to cover, uh, to trap warmer air right. around the plants. And it keeps the dirt, the plants are sitting mm-hmm. in outside, it keeps that dirt mm-hmm. warm also. Ideally, whatever you're going to cover should not touch the leaves or the foliage. Nor should you use plastic. Yes, use. I have a I have a frost little fleece blanket, but you right. can also just use like a, a plastic, you could use a sheet. I use old sheets also, mm-hmm. and I have a, a little collection of large pickle buckets mm. that are the nice shape yeah, to sit that around. that go right yes. over. <clears throat> Especially yeah. for those new things you put in this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're great for that. Um. You might want to have to anchor it if it's windy out. Yes. So that's, that's what I why, use. I have a little bucket yeah. of clothespins I use just for that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and you want to make sure you remove it in the morning when the temperatures rise and the frost dissipates. Exactly. Or the sun is starting to shine directly on that plant. Yeah. Yes. It's almost impossible to cover everything. Oh, yeah. You have to pick and choose. Yeah. So if like, you have things like big vines, like your squashes, your butternut, your cantaloupe, just pick the ones that you like. That you can ripen off the vine right. and leave them, uh, you know, try and, to le- uh, leave, leaving as much of the stem as right. possible. And some are more hardy and can stand that better than than other kind mm-hmm. of plants. The other thing I start to do later in the fall, too, is in particular is I bring in my geranium plants. Yes, I do, too. And I cut them back. And they live on my sunroom, and then they come back spectacularly in the spring, and I don't have to keep buying geranium plants over and over and over. A geranium plant at a really nice local nursery can cost you like 10, 15 bucks. Exactly. I have five geranium plants, so that's like 50 bucks. Yes. And one year I didn't store them properly. And I lost them all, and there goes another 50 bucks exactly. out the window. So there are a lot of plants you can bring in and winter over. If you have room in your house, mm-hmm. and I understand if you don't, um, but pick and choose. But bringing them in and recycling them that way is yeah. just an awesome way to just save yourself some money and some time and labor. And if you can't, if you don't have room for geraniums to be a house plant, um, what I do is I let it go slightly dormant. Oh, okay. So I put mine in my attic. Ah. And I have a, a timer that warns me once a month to water it. Okay. And I do cut it back. I cut it back like a third. Yes. And then I will uh, store it up in the attic. I will water them once a month. and just let them go slightly dormant. One thing about geraniums, though, is that if you they get really woody, they'll bloom less. Yes. So I, I, yeah, I will have a tendency to cut them back pretty heavily. Oh, and yeah. I'll cut I, them back in the spring, too. I was very aggressive in the cutting back last fall, and they came back very strong. And then I cut, exactly. And then I cut them back again before uh-huh. they went, moved outside to live. Yes. Nice. Yeah. What color are your dreams? I have one super scarlet one. I have one pink one. Mm. And then I have one that's kind of an orangey red. Okay. Yeah. Mine are all called Colorado salmon. Excellent. So they're sort of a peachy right. uh, color. 
All of them are. And they right. bloomed great this year. And they say when you should bring them in is when the temperature gets to be below 55 during the day. Okay. Or about when you start turning the heat on in your house. Excellent. I didn't know that particular. Did you so turn your heat on last night? No, I did not. I did. In, I Octo cold. in October, I do a little contest to see how oh. long I can wait before I turn the furnace on. Ah, but interesting. But then I own a lot of sweatshirts. Well, you know, for, you can also bring in rosemary. Yes. Um, I have never done that. I leave mine outside. But but friends, uh, if you have a rosemary plant, if you're in zone 7 to 10, it's a perennial. You can leave it out all the time. But if any, my variety is called ARP, which is good up until zone 6. Okay. Um, um, if you want to bring your rosemary in, um, it prefers dry soil since it normally absorbs most of its moisture from the air and not right. the ground. So it's best to give it a dry potting soil, almost like a cactus potting yes. soil when you bring it in. Well draining. Uh, late fall, early winter is a great time to bring it in. Um, dig it up, replant it as soon as possible, and put it on a tray containing a layer of gravel. Oh, right. So you can like, basically you put water in the tray and then that evaporates up and that's how they absorb. Excellent. Well Excellent done. advice. Um, you can also like reverse harden it off. So like the first week or so. Right. Acclimate your, your rosemary so that you bring it, you bringing it in, um, you bring it indoors on a permanent basis once it really hits winter, but uh, make sure you bring it in at night. Right, right. Okay, okay. <clears throat> that makes sense. And I also, because I grow my, my tarragon, thyme, and um, oregano in pots, I bring them in and, and oh, they winter over in the sunroom also. Nice. Now, have you ever brought in a pepper plant? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, people have done this. I I have tried to do it to get it into dormancy, and I all I did was had a dead pepper plant. But I figure, <laughs> what does it really matter? I'm gonna try. Th I'm gonna bring in my. I have a lot of pepper plants that are just still so tiny because of that hailstorm. Right. That I'm gonna bring them in. I'm gonna pot them up, and I'm gonna see how they do. Apparently, if you put them in a cool, dry location. Somewhere where it gets to be about 55 degrees, which is the kind of attic. like my attic. <laughs> you remove all the pepper <clears throat> fruit. Okay. And you so only, they just have leaves. Only water right. every three or four weeks. And don't panic if the leaves fall off. Okay. But just make sure that you continue to water it and, and care for it. And then about a month before your last frost, you bring it out of its cool location into a brighter, warmer location, and it's supposed to bounce back. Okay. I'm going to try it again. Oh, do, do. Let us know how that works out. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Okay. Okay. Well, when we come back, yes, we're going to talk about uh, what to, how to cheat Mother Nature winter, spring, summer. Yes. Okay. But first, we have a pop play. Catherine, this is a repeat that goes all the way back to episode four. Oh my goodness! No, yes, yes. Uh, written and starring our wonderful and beautiful Edith Weiss, the brilliant Edith Weiss. Yes. Oh, excellent. Hello, Mother Nature here. Have you heard of pluots, plum cuts, blueberries, and blood limes? New, no, they're not infectious diseases. What about ugly fruit, broccoli or lime quat? No one would blame you if you think these are sophisticated insults. You lime quat. But no, these are not insults. These are hybrid fruits and vegetables found in many a fancy produce section. Now here's a tip from Mother Nature. 
If you're standing in a produce section and feel stupid because you have no idea what anything is, maybe get out of there. Shop local. Go to a farmer's market close to you. Ah, there you are. At the farmer's market with simple and well-known fruits. How do you like them apples, fancy produce section? Brought to you by Shop Your Local Gardeners and Farmers. There's not a lot to talk about how to fool Mother Nature in winter, but we've got some tips, don't we, Catherine? Well, yeah, and it's not so much fooling Mother Nature, perhaps, as working with her. <laughs> sure, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Because one of my favorite things to do and pay attention to in winter is when it does snow, I have a whole rhythm of shoveling my sidewalk and driveway so that that snow goes on my flower beds. Mm. And also, snow is a great insulator for when those we do get those way below zero temperatures. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Uh, my favorite way to fool Mother Nature in the winter slash work with her right. is winter sewing. Yes. Uh, which is an outdoor method of seed starting in the winter. And I'm really serious, friends. You can do this pretty much any time after December 21st. Um, oh, wow. I didn't realize so early. Yeah, actually. I usually do mine in end of January, early February, because that's okay. when I have time for it. Right, right. No, exactly. But uh, this is a method that's been championed by Trudy Davidoff. And all you need to do is recycle any container with a lid and turn it into a mini greenhouse out in the snow. And I want to add that that container with a lid, what Christy does is she takes gallon milk jugs, she cuts them in half, fills it with dirt, and after she's sewed, she then puts the top back on and tapes around it. Yeah. And, and the little on top, the, the, lid. the cap is off. The yes. lid is off. And so, and you put drainage holes in the exactly. bottom. Exactly. And the sun, the snow, the rain. Little baby greenhouses. Little baby, yes. And you put the whole thing outside and the seeds decide when they want to germinate. Right. And the nice thing about it is that they'll germinate at the right time. Mm -hmm. Your plant will be better adapted to your climate than any plants you start indoors or, or bought from the store. Right. And then you could put them where you want them to be. Um, and you don't have to worry about hardening off in the spring. It's true. That's very true. We talk about it in great detail in two other episodes. Episode 25 take out your jugs and learn how to winter sew. (laughs) And uh, episode 72, more winter sewing, how to bring seeds to life in the dead of winter. And it's such a great way to start flowers in particular. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's such a money saver. Plus, it's just fun to watch the things start to sprout. Especially in March when you really need some green stuff. Yes, when you're jonesing to go out and dig in the dirt. I had about 30 jugs. I know. She I has see. actually built onto her house an entire room that is filled <laughs> ceiling to floor with milk jugs. milk jugs. But you don't have to use milk jugs. You can use no. other things too. Right. Like but the milk bottles. jugs are, they work well. are, are the perfect size. Yeah. Milk jugs or bottle, yeah. big, the gallon jugs yeah. of water. And I did yeah. veggies this year too. I, I would yeah. have sowed a lot of veggies. I would, I would have sowed tomatoes. <clears throat> oh my. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Didn't, okay. I, they flowered. They didn't get any fruit because I winter sowed them too late. But I still, right. they still, it's still germinating. Do you remember yeah. when you winter sowed your tomatoes? You know, I think end of April. I should have done them a little sooner. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, spring. spring. Let's fool Mother Nature. Well, for me, the big thing in spring is the using of walls of water. Mm. And what I, and they are these devices that are 
circular and when you get them set up they're kind of like a teepee but they have little tubes they're made up of a series of tubes that you fill with water and then you set them on the ground as i said kind of leaning the top in so it's like a teepee and it works in a variety of ways first of all the water heats up it warms up this lovely circle of dirt because you want the dirt to be nice and warm before you start putting in like tomatoes or peppers in particular. And once it's warm, it takes about a week if it's getting continuous sunshine. And then you can plant your little baby tomato plants or your little baby pepper plants inside the wall of water. And you have to lift the wall up and over. Uh, but you can fool Mother Nature by a good six weeks. <gasps> Oh my goodness. If not longer. But I that wouldn't go cool. longer than six just because here in Colorado, sometimes mid April, we can get nasty weather. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, how early? So, because we're zone 5B, how early do you start your I walls of water? I have started, put up the walls of water early in April. Okay. And waited and then planted up the next to the last week of April. For your tomatoes. For my tomatoes. I right. don't grow peppers, but tomatoes. But I don't know why they wouldn't work for peppers or a variety of others. Right. That by June, you'd like to have a good-sized plant that's starting to think about making fruit of some kind. Yeah. That's true, because I have planted my tomatoes early, mm -hmm. and- it doesn't really help if I plant them early. They're not really happy until no, they're the, not happy until the soil is warm enough. The soil's got to be warm enough, exactly. And, and, and the nighttime temperatures are right. in the in in the low fifties. Right. And if you think it's going to get really cold, the nice thing about the walls of water is you can go out and cover them with an old towel. Oh. Because it holds the air in it. It is like putting the plant in a big teepee. So. Okay. Now here's a weird question. Mm -hmm. Even though our plants are really big in the fall, right? Could could you use a wall of water on a fall plant too? You could to extend I, the growing yeah, season. Yeah, I think the difficulty is because walls of water you have to lift up and over. Mm. Putting it down around an existing plant would be a challenge. It's kind of like trying to put a cage over a tomato plant when it's too big. Yes, yes, I've, I've you know? done that. And you got to be able to reach in and pull those little yeah, branches it's, out. It's a so, two-person job. Yeah, so that <laughs> might be the own, the biggest impediment okay. I can think of. Okay, well, that's cool. I wonder if I should try one, because I have these tiny little jalapeno plants still. I'd love to get a couple more weeks oh, out of them. Oh, gosh sakes, give it a try. What have you yeah. got to lose? Yeah, okay, that's kind of cool. And then, of course, you can always um, still cover... For frost. Yes. So you everything can. we just said in the fall to cover your plants, it's just the opposite for the spring, which I have done before. Right. Because with climate change and weather extremity, you never know in May. Uh we've had snow in May. We've had snow in May. And you know, there's a lot of spring flowers, tulips, hyacinths in mm -hmm. particular, I'm thinking, start to show up. In January, if the temperatures have got up into the 60s for several days in a row, mm -hmm. you know, and if you know you have a really hard frost coming, go out and cover them up with those quilts and blankets and yeah. old target comforters and stuff. Yeah. I wish I would have done that this past last spring. Yeah. Because we did have some really pretty cold springs and I lost a lot of roses. Yes. And I don't think anybody had a good iris year here. Uh, no. I would have covered. I. I would have saved those blooms. Yes, exactly. And again, for covers, you can use anything except plastic. So old sheets, old blankets, old comforters, old towels, just old dog blankets, a variety of things. Now, let's move to summer. Mm -hmm. um, 
I use those same blankets that I cover in the fall and the winter and the spring with, I use that to put over my, especially my tomato cages as the hail shield. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) Because they stand up, because they're thick enough, they stand up really well to that. And also I use the old sheets as sunscreen for my tomato plants in particular. Very nice. Yeah, so... And not so much to fool Mother Nature, but to protect, uh, protect ourselves from Mother exactly, Nature. Exactly, because Mother Nature can be a little relentless. Yeah. Yeah, and and this summer we had a whole big episode about hail. Oh, yes. Where we go into more detail. But the thing that's so tricky about it is that, at least with the frost warning, you get a warning. You get an exactly. advisory. No, you have to be paying attention to the weather. I kind of know what the clouds look like now. Ooh. But again, I will go out, as I said, and put this stuff over the tomato cages. And again, the use of um, clip clothespins. And that's how I anchored them down for because the wind usually comes with the hail. So what kind of clouds do you... When you see a cloud, you go, oh, this might when, be a hail cloud. When the thunderstorms come in, there is a low gray cloud. Mm-hmm. That it just, it, it, it looks menacing. It's a low gray. Yeah. yeah. That is, it's kind of like what you also look for when you're looking for toma- um, tomatoes, tornadoes. As you <clears> would <throat> know, being from the great state of Kansas. Yes, exactly. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I the can, more menacing yeah. it looks, the more I <laughs> yeah. take it seriously. Mm. And I'd go out and I just, yeah, cover, 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 cover and close pin down. Yeah. See, I'm one of those people that <laughs> I would wait. Uh, I go, oh, it's starting to hail. And then I run out, which is really stupid because then you're just, it's a mad dash yes, where you're getting no, hailed no. on. <laughs> Be proactive. There, There is no price to pay for being proactive. Yeah. I, also, I also think too, is I have a little collection of things I have yes. in my garage. And this is like buckets or flower pots or when yes. the plants are little. So that you could just quickly exactly. throw some buckets um, like those, like those, um, like five gallon pails. Those are pickle really buckets, good. yes. Oh, yeah. Or the orange those... bucket you get from uh, Home Depot. Yeah. Yes, those totally. are great those for are little perfect. tomatoes. Yep. They, they also have um, hail cloth. That I'm. I, yeah. If I get another hailstorm in, and I might investigate. Well, considering how you got hammered, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just think if you have an old quilt. It, mm-hmm. It's going to work just as well, mm. unless you've got hail that's so big, then it doesn't matter what kind of hail cloth you had. That, well, you yeah, know, that's that's a very that's a very fair mm. point. All right, anything else we could think of? No, that not we off can the top of my head. With? I'm not off the top of my head. I think we've covered the good parts. <laughs> we've covered covering. Yes, we've covered covering. <laughs> okay, good. I want to make sure we've, we've covered, covered covering. We've covered walls of water. We've covered winter sewing. We've covered using the snow on your driveway. Um, yeah, yeah, I think the big warning we have is just don't tell Mother Nature about these little exactly. tricks that we have. Yes, exactly. Because otherwise, there might be, she might make some adjustments. There might be some ramifications. Because as we learned at the beginning, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. No, it's not. Oh my goodness. It can't be. I think it is. Yes, it is. It's time for Ring Ring Mailbag. Yes. (laughs) Very good. Okay. Well, we have gotten a great update from our friend Anne from Pennsylvania, who's written into us a couple times. Um, And here's how Anne's garden went this year. Hey, tulips. Ah, well, not an easy year for mid-Atlantic region gardening. The planting season came in late April through the end of June, but no rain in my back root yard. I mean zero zip zilch, and we are not set up for zero escaping in the Lehigh Valley of PA. 
I watered daily, and meanwhile, the air was smog-thick and ghastly from Canadian wildfire smoke, which cooled the temperature a bit and brought no rain. Those those fires were bad. They were very bad. When the rain arrived mid-June, it came with floods and hailstones. Yep, we can relate. You'd have thought we were raising vegetables in some godforsaken place. Like Colorado. <laughs> as long as you don't give up, though, gardening teaches us resilience better than anything else I can think of. Yes, the tomatoes were late this year and rather bland, and the zucchini got the stem virus, ugh, but my sweet corn is thriving and 14 feet tall and Ooh. bearing ears. The green beans always come on suddenly and are the veg that keeps on giving. So far, the four varieties of basil are doing okay, and the butternut squash. Why is it so resistant to the virus that whitens the zooks? Meanwhile, root veggies seem not to have minded all the climate change weirdness. Nature does believe in comebacks. If only that could be true for our green ash trees, succumbing at an alarming rate to emerald ash borer. Alas, I have no squirrel or deer poo stories for you at present. (laughs) And has given us quite a few poo stories. A stray cat has adopted us, and I'm torn to hate him for killing birds or thank him for keeping the voles and field mice out of the garden and the compost heap. It's a yin or yang kind yeah, of thing. It is. Yeah. Keep at it. So heartened to see here how your gardens are recovering. Anne from Pennsylvania. Thank you, Anne. That was a lovely, lovely letter. And isn't it interesting, though, that we're in totally different climates, but we have similar things that yes. happen. Things that we can relate to. Exactly. And and, and I loved how she said, um, as long as you don't give up, gardening teaches resilience better than anything else. Resilience and patience. Yes, Gosh. it's true. Just beautiful. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing your update. And if you want to tell us how your gardens are doing, we want to hear about it too. It gives us faith in the future, gives us a few laughs, helps us learn some things, or we can commiserate. Always learning. Always learning. That's what I get from these letters. Yeah. And always if you, learning. And any tips or tricks on how you fool Mother Nature. Yes. That would be interesting also. That would also. be exquisite. What do you do different than what we just said? We want to hear about it. Right. You can write to us at UpsideOnTulips.com or... At upside on tulips at gmail. Excellent. Send those letters. So, Christy, do you have an inspiration for us this week? I do. In keeping with the theme of Mother Nature, this is a quote from Alex Trebek. Okay. If you can't be in awe of Mother Nature, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> here, here. Let's give Mother Nature her due. We love her. We do. We do. She is one of the great soothers. Just go out and sit on your front porch and listen to the birds. Oh, my gosh. Well, friends, you have reached the end of another episode of Upside Down Tulips. Yes. We are Catherine Gray and Christy Montour Larson. And if you got some laughs and some value out of the week's episode, could you do us a favor? Hit that subscribe, like, or follow button wherever you listen to your podcast. And thank you so much to Denise Gentilini for composing <laughs> and performing the Upside Down Tulip theme song. Want more? Go to denisegentilini.com or you can find that link at UpsideDownTulips.com. And thanks for the many talents and kind heart of our beloved Edith Weiss as Mama Nature. 
And join us in two weeks for another episode that will delight and amaze you. And don't forget, if you make a mistake, your garden will forgive you. Upside down.